This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit allentempleamec.com slash donate. Thank you for listening. There is a word from the Lord this morning. The scripture previously read to your hearing came from the Gospel of Matthew, the 22nd chapter, beginning in verse 36 through 40. And allow me to read that again so that we are all on the same page. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Upon these two commandments hang the whole law and the prophets. Mm. Amen. It is with this scripture this morning, church, that I've come to give you a word of encouragement. Just to help you know the Lord just a little bit better than you did before you walked in these doors. Amen. Amen. And so I have titled this message this morning, The Command to Love. Mm. The Command to Love. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, take my hand. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to stand behind this sacred desk. I do not take it lightly. But I know that I cannot nor would I want to do this without you. So by the power of your Holy Spirit, be with me. Deliver this word. I have prepared. I have sought you. I have followed the command to love you. So Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. For you are my rock and my redeemer. It is in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. On May 19th, 2018, American Episcopal Bishop Michael Curry gave an address at the wedding of then Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. In his address, Bishop Curry mentioned a quote from one of the sermons of the late Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And he said, paraphrasing, we must discover the power of love, the power, the redemptive power of love. And when we discover that, we will be able to make this old world a new world. Mm -hmm. We will be able to make men better. Love is the only way. Mm. When I heard those words and really concentrated on them, the end of that quote really captured my attention. Love is the only way. I had to dive deeper in that understanding and ask, is love the only way? Understandably so, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and Bishop Curry had different ways of presenting the quote's meaning. You see, Bishop Curry introduced the quote as a way to speak of love from the perspective of marriage. And whereas for Dr. King, it was used to explain his nonviolent philosophy. It also functioned as a set of instructions for African Americans trying to figure out how to respond to the racism they were forced to deal with in 1957. Mm. I dare say this still applies today in 2023. Mm. But I digress. The only 
thing that I see here that is fascinating is that you have Bishop Curry speaking about love from the perspective of marriage. Then you have the Dr. King speaking. And matter of fact, it was, it was, he's the originator of those words because he preached those words in a sermon titled, Love Your Enemies in 1957. Well. But he was speaking about love from the perspective of it not being violent. And so when I begin to think about that some more and meditate on that, one thing that I, I, I find fascinating in both situations, brothers and sisters, love, no matter the context, is significant in the lives of people. Yeah. No matter what, that is a fact. Love is significant in people's lives. Amen. So in order to see how the significance of love is in people's lives, let's first define love. And according to the Webster's Dictionary, love is considered a noun. Mm. Hear me, church. It is strong affection for another arising out of kinship or personal ties. An example is that is a maternal love for a child. Love is also an attraction based on sexual desire. Mm. It's an affection and tenderness felt by lovers. An example of that is people that have been married for 32 years and they're still in love. And another definition of love is an affection based on admiration, benevolence, or common interests. Example is that is love that you found for an old classmate. Um, the, the object of attachment, like you ever hear when people say, oh, basketball is my first love. That's an attachment mm -hmm. to something that they love. And the last meaning in the Webster Dictionary of love is it's, it's unselfish, loyal, and concern for the good of another. Hmm. Such as the example is a fatherly concern of God for mankind. It's a brotherly concern for others and persons adoration of God. <clears throat> Interestingly enough, I have just given you Webster's dictionary of the definition of love. The biblical definition of love states, it is a strong feeling of personal affection care and desire for the well-being of others. It is a primary characteristic of God's nature and the supreme expression of Christian faith and action. And the Bible speaks of four types of love. We have um, Eros love, which is sexual or romantic love that I mentioned in the Webster Dictionary. We have Storge love, which is sort of like a a family love with siblings, and we have um, phileo love, which is a brotherly love that unites believers, and we have what is agape love, yeah. which is God's love for humankind. I want us to see that the Webster's definition of love and biblical love differ slightly in that the biblical love speaks of the expression of Christian faith and action. See, in other words, love is not primarily just an emotion. Mm -hmm. But biblical love is something that we have to do. There is an action attached to it. Yeah. The Webster's Dictionary that I said all had to do with emotions and feelings. The biblical love, though it also informs the aspect of emotions, but there is action behind it. So there is something you have to do. Yeah. So now after all these definitions that I've given you, my question still stands. Hmm. Is love the only way? Well, 
Well, let's dive into the word to find out. Mm. Our scripture coming from the 22nd chapter of Matthew, the 36th to the 40th um, verses. And let me give you some context for what's going on. You see, Jesus is on the way to Jerusalem. And he has an encounter with a couple of religious leaders, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Mm -hmm. And the two began questioning God repeatedly, asking him different questions to trip Jesus up so they could discredit him to prove that he is not who he says he is, the son of the living God, the Messiah. The Sadducees happened to ask Jesus a particular question. And the way Jesus answered it, it literally silenced them. They had nothing to do. A better way for you to understand that is when you're speaking to somebody and they think they know more than you do and you finally answer it, they've got eggs all over their face. They have an egg face. So that's what happened to the Sadducees. And then now the Pharisees said, let me take my opportunity to ask him a question that there's no way he would be able to answer. And the Pharisees, one of them that asked, is considered an expert in the law. Bible doesn't clearly say, but possibly a lawyer. And he says, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Hmm. So let's understand that the Pharisee asked that question because if you know the Jewish law, there are 613 laws that they must follow. Yeah. And the thing with the Pharisees, they thought they were better than everybody else because they know how to follow the law. Amen? And then within the 613 um, commands, the first 10 are what we know as the Ten Commandments. So when Jesus answered the question in verse 37, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, Jesus was actually quoting Deuteronomy 6, beginning in verse 4 through 6. Hear, Israel, the Lord is all God. The Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words, which I am commanding you today, shall be on your heart. You know what I love about Jesus is that he's just a smooth operator. You know, he's just... You know, they're asking them questions left and right, and they think that they can have them stumble and stuff. And then, you know, this one Pharisee says, hey, you know, Jesus, you know, teacher, what, which is the greatest commandments? Because they, they are aware that there are 613 of them. And what they don't realize is Jesus know the question they were going to ask before they even asked it. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's the kind of savior that we have. And so what he does in his smooth way he just says, you have to love your Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. The Bible doesn't say what the Pharisee said after that, but I'm sure he too had some egg on his face. You see what happens, Jesus continues on to tell the Pharisee that this is the greatest and the foremost commandment. And the second is like unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, let me stick a pen right here. Jesus was asked one question, right? So, and he answered the one question. But why would Jesus answer, continue to answer another question that was not asked? That had to make me wonder. Like, okay, you gave me the answer, but why are you giving me more information that I had not asked for? Let us continue. 
First, let us identify that Jesus has given a directive and a charge in stating the greatest and foremost commandment. You see, the commandment, a commandment is a directive and a charge. He's not asking you to just, oh, love your neighbor. No, this is part of his commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Brothers and sisters that know Jesus Christ, this wasn't something that Jesus was asking you as a choice. He was giving you a directive and a charge that this is what you ought to do. Amen? And the command in this instance is a directive and a charge, not only emotionally, but action is needed. Remember what I said, the biblical love is not only emotional, there is action behind it. This is the type of love that must be demonstrated. But what do you mean, Rev? What does the command to love first God look like? How do we do this? Well, I'm glad you asked. First, you must be all in. That's the first thing. You must be all in. Because the word says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind. Loving God requires your entire being. Not half, but your entire being, brothers and sisters. You have to understand, you know, growing up and... um. I was saved since I was nine years old. And when I get about my teens, you know, I didn't want to do this God thing anymore, walking. And, you know, my grandmother used to say, can't have one foot in in the world, and you can't have one foot out. You know, you can't be, decide to be in God's kingdom halfway because that's not the kind of God we serve. Because can you imagine if the Lord decided to love us halfway and not all, with all our being, with all his being? So... We ought to love God with our entire being. You can't love God some and love the world some. Because what I'm going to tell you right now is God doesn't want to share you with anyone. So why would we want to share him with any? We want to share his love, but we want to be so completely infused with him so that we have all of him to be able to share with the world. Amen? First John 2.15 says, do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Let me say that again. Not my words, but the word of God. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That is just simply plain and simple. If you love the world and God, you really don't love the Father. That's really what it's saying. Loving God means surrendering to his will, his plan, and purpose above ourselves. Amen? It's a matter of complete self-devotion unto God. Loving God is obeying God. Jesus briefly explained this in John 14, 15. Simple. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. The command to love God is to be in relationship with God, to pray, to study, to learn about God, and to apply God's truth to our lives. That is where the action comes into play. Loving God is more than just saying, I love God, but it is aligning your decisions with God's expectations. 
Let me say that again. It is aligning your decisions with God's expectations, brothers and sisters. The command to love God is loving God above all else, putting him first in every aspect of our lives. Because you know why? Because God is love. Amen? Because God is love. You want to know if you love God the way God commanded through your actions? You want to know how you're, you're, you're moving along that right line that God has asked you to love him with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind? You want to know how you do that well? Let's move on with the second commandment. Verse 39, the second is like unto it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus tells the Pharisee and us that the command to love is to love God and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Now, many of you are like, well, you know, that, that's, you know, I didn't hear a lot of you guys when I said that one. There was no shouting about that one that much, you know. Come on, preacher. But the question is, who is our neighbor? You might wonder, who is our neighbor? Well, in Luke 10, verses 25 to 37, the parable of the Good Samaritan, yeah. Jesus was asked directly by an expert in the law, which I'm sure was a Pharisee, who is our neighbor? And in this parable, what happens is you have robbers beat up a man and left him on the side of the road. Three people pass this man on the road from Jericho to Jerusalem. The first man is a priest. The second man is a Levite. And the third man is a Samaritan. While the third stopped to help the man, the other two did not. And let's think about it. The priest, the reverend didn't stop to help this man. Well. <laughs> the Levite didn't stop to help this man, but just a regular someone walking in Mount Vernon Come on, just saw someone beaten on the side of the road mm. and just decided to help. Yeah. And Jesus said to the expert of the law, which of these do you think is a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The answer to Jesus' question was the third man, mm-hmm. the Samaritan, who stopped to show mercy who stopped to show mercy so don't think because a person and I'll use myself as a collar on you are expecting me there's an expectation you have of me rightfully so to stop and help somebody but your neighbor doesn't have to have a collar on on, your neighbor could be anybody brothers and sisters our neighbors anyone we cross paths with regardless of race economic social status, and political affiliation. That is our neighbor. Leviticus 19.18 states, You shall not take vengeance, nor hold any grudge against the sons of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord, he states. This commandment and the first complement each other. So that's why Jesus mentioned them together. They are not separated. It is impossible to love God without loving people. It is impossible to love God without loving people. Mm. Brothers and sisters, the measure measure of whether love for God is real or not is reflected in our relationship with others. Mm. The truth is not always easy to love our neighbors. Say it again. And I'll be the first to tell you, I struggle with that sometimes. 
Because some people are just not lovable. Let's keep it real. Some people are just not lovable. And you know what I thought about? I began to think about that when I was, when I was writing the sermon. And I said, Lord, there have been times in my life I haven't been so lovable to you. Have mercy is right. And so who am I to think that I should not love what someone does to me, even my enemies? Because I have, at many times, displeased God. So how can I do something that has been asked of me and not do the same for somebody else? Amen. But the you know, interesting thing is, truth be told, for us to love the way God loves, it's almost impossible. Hmm. It's impossible. Hmm. But, 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 the great thing is that within our own selves, it's not possible. Amen. But how many know that with God, all things are possible? God loves because God is love, which means for us to love the way God loves requires God's supernatural help. And that is in that of the Holy Spirit. It is by the power of God and with the help of the Holy Spirit, we're able to love our neighbors as ourselves. And truth be told, let's be honest. We are selfish human beings. Well. Let's be honest. We are selfish human beings. Mm. We love ourselves. <laughs> we do the most for ourselves. Mm -hmm. When we're hungry, we eat. Mm. When we're thirsty, we drink. When we need something, we go out and buy it. Come on. But are we eager to do that for others? Say it, Especially Say it. someone you don't know. Come on, preacher. But if you follow the command to love, yes. to love God with all of your heart, oh. to love God with all of your soul, to love God with all of your minds, and to love our neighbor as ourselves, hmm. we can love our neighbor as ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Brothers and sisters, our help comes from the Lord. Yeah. And because it is that the fact that help comes from the Lord, the Lord will not leave you stranded out there. That is why if we love God with all of our being yeah. and make God the center of our life, it will be a lot easier hmm. to love our neighbor. Amen. And remember, the way you treat others and how you deal with them reflects on your relationship with God. So that's why God is saying, I need you to love me with all of your entire being. Because if you can do that, it will be a little easier to love your neighbor as yourself. Amen? Amen? And because if we follow that command to love God and our neighbor as ourselves, it fulfills the two greatest commandments. And when we do that, Jesus says, on these two commandments hang the whole law and the prophets. Which simply means all of God's commands are included in the first and second greatest commandments. This is what I want you to do. When you get home, you look at the Ten Commandments, right? When you look at the, fir the first four, they deal with God. And when you look at the last six, it deals with your neighbor. So on these two commandments... Loving God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and loving your neighbor as yourself would make it easier to fulfill the rest of the commandments. Yeah. 
that God has given us, church. It's not easy. But it is possible with God. And the greatest demonstration of the command to love was done on Calvary. Was done on Calvary in that Jesus the Christ who loved his father so much to the point of obedience on the cross that he died for you, for me, for all the whole world. For our sins. He loved his father and he was obedient to him which made it easier for him to love us because he gave us the greatest gift that has us here today. He died for all of us and made salvation possible. So in conclusion, brothers and sisters, when our command to love is carried through action and we show God's love towards each other, love will conquer all. And the answer is yes as identified and demonstrated through the commitment to love. Love is the only way. Amen. 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 Amen.